Hello. Hello, John. Hi, Dan. How are you? So good. Good. Super duper. Yeah. How about yourself? Pretty good. We're pretty good. That's good. That's good. Had a cold and then I took some stuff and it seemed seemed to have made it go away much faster than normal. Oh, you got magic stuff. Magic? Well, maybe it's magic. I will look up what it's called here in a second and I'll I'll cuz I I'm very skeptical of anything of everything. Yeah, I know you are. I know that's true. And uh somebody recommended this stuff to me. And I figured, you know, it's a it, what's the worst thing that could happen is that it does nothing, right? No. The worst thing that could happen is it poison you. Well, it's from a big brand that you can get in like the Whole Foods. It's not it's not like something from China that some mystery thing. It's a big brand. Gaia is the manufacturer and it's called Quick Defense. And the theory is that you take this stuff and you, the minute, if you start feeling sick, if you have that feeling, you know, when you wake up in the morning, like, oh, like there's something going on here. You take it then and it, it has, there's a total of 20 pills you take two pills five times a day for two days, which seems like a lot. It is. But it's supposed to like shorten the amount of time that you have the cold and make the cold way less intense. And I'll, I don't like, I don't want to jinx anything because I'm superstitious about jinxing things. But I took this thing. I had a full on cold coming on. I took this for two days and I woke up this morning, I felt fine. Like there's just barely a little bit lingering remnants of it. <clears throat> you know, I'm typically less interested in what the claims of the product are mm-hmm. than I am in what the product is. It is. I'll tell you what's in it. Mainly, it seems like it's echinacea. <laughs> with elderberry. Oh, yeah, elderberry. And uh, andrographis uh, leaf extract and some ginger. Mm-hmm. I have newt. I have newt is not listed. Oh, I bet it's in there. But it's a, it's a I have newt in a like microdose. Microdose. But it's it's uh, I've read a lot about echinacea. And apparently, they've been still doing more studies on the fact that it, if you combine it with the right amount of some other things like elderberry and whatever else. I have newt. I have new, then it will be very effective at getting mm-hmm. rid of this. So I'll tell you what, it was like 15 bucks and I was willing to, I was willing to stake 15 bucks on a, you know, take the risk of, of a $15 <laughs> expense. And it seems to have paid off and the reviews of it are all five stars. Everyone on there saying that I was, I didn't think this would work and it worked. So I, I will put it in our show notes the next time that this is the kind of thing. Now I'm convinced enough and you know what? If you say this did absolutely nothing and it was just my own, the power of my own mind that he, that made me get better faster, I'll take it. I'll pay $15 to get my mind to make me better in, in two days instead of a week. Hell yes. Hell you yeah. should send me $15 and I'll get your mind right. I'll send. Well, our listeners should be sending you $15, I think. I think yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. Yeah. I think everybody should send me $15 right now. Well, we always get 
we get the and by the way, it's in the show notes. If you want to buy this for yourself, you can get it at Amazon or I got it at Whole Foods. But Amazon has it. It's uh, five by five TV slash Roadwork slash ninety eight. Gosh, we should do something special for the hundredth episode. Have a big a big pa- a big bash or something. Fireworks. Oh, the hundred the famous hundred episode hundredth episode uh, podcast. Band. Yes, it's a tradition. Yeah. I mean, Everybody, I know you're well. You're well past 100 episodes of Omnibus and the war thing, but uh, we're we're slug, slugging along, slugging through it here. Mm-hmm. Almost no, 200 I'm not, episodes. I'm, the only the only show I'm up past 100 episodes is the venerable mm-hmm. Roderick on the Line podcast, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure at 100 episodes whether we whether we made a notation of that or not. Let's see. But yeah, we should have a we should have. A thing where everyone that listens to the program, we all like pick a time and then at that same moment, <laughs> instead of like 11, 11 on November 11th, <laughs> instead of being quiet right. for a minute, everybody just rejoices for a minute and does, yeah. the, does the boogaloo. I like that. Yeah. But I've, you know, I get emails periodically from people who say, uh, I don't want you guys to have ads. The ads they're they're upsetting to me on, for a number of reasons. They they hurt me mm-hmm. deeply. Okay, so your episode of uh, one hundred on Roderick on the line was called Tertiary Lobster Fork. Oh yeah, one of the great. And uh, it's I'll put that in the show notes. This is the problem. John had a mind to. That's the description. A, a mind to. A mind to. Period. Oh, T O. Yeah. I probably I I have one of those every couple of days. Yeah. So I put it in the show notes, and it's got a picture of, um, well, what was the name of the robot from RoboCop, the bad, the bad one that goes crazy? Uh, Ed 209. It's got a picture of Ed 209 uh, mm-hmm. as the cover art. I cannot r- recall that far back, although uh, uh, Captain Marm, I'm sure, would be able to tell us all about that episode. I'm sure. And, and a handful of other people uh, b- besides. Well, um, as a little bit of follow-up, uh, some people have, uh, whenever I do custom artwork for the show, which is a half to two thirds of the time, I'll do a custom mm-hmm. cover for the show and I'll put it in and uh, I do those in, I, I do those in Photoshop. I'm very, very talented. If you didn't know that at uh, doing really bad artwork in Photoshop, this is my skill. And uh-huh. so I would do custom artwork for the show and I'll often tweet about it. And then people tweeted to me saying, uh, I don't see the artwork. I'm using Overcast. I don't see the artwork. And Overcast, by the way, seems to be what most of our listeners, I think, if they're on an iPhone, that's what they use. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't figure out what the heck was happening, why they weren't seeing it. So I talked to Marco Arment, who creates Overcast, among other things. And uh, I said, hey, some people are saying they don't see the artwork. I also don't see the artwork. What am I doing wrong? And he looked into it and he said, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. There's a thing I can do that uh, he apparently, this is super inside baseball now, but apparently he had used an, uh, a parser to look for the art and show it. And then he wrote his own uh, a few months back that uh, didn't, wasn't finding our artwork, but he said he fixed it. And so the next version of overcast that comes out has been fixed and will show the artwork that these people have been missing the special. So like last week I did artwork that showed the uh, remember how you were talking about the ages of the traveling Wilburys and yeah. I had found some artwork that showed their ages. That was the thing that you were talking about. The guy had tweeted and I used that as the artwork for the show. Some people didn't see that. Oh, I, I feel see. like they're not experiencing the full force of the show. If they're not seeing the artwork. 
No, sure, of course not. That's like going to a movie and uh, you know not listening the poster or listening to music instead of what's going on in the movie. You only get part of what's there. Oh, I'm not sure it's all the way to that. But yeah, yeah, I feel like it. Yeah. Is. I mean, all you're doing is listening to the sound of the movie. That is, by definition, a, what a podcast is. Yeah. Just the sound of the movie. Can you imagine what the movie would look like? Mm. Ooh. Hello. Yeah. Hello, lover. So anyway, people complain sometimes about the ads. And oh, yeah, yeah. The, the ads, they'll say the ads, they're, I don't like them. They interrupt the flow, even on the ones where you and I uh, both do the ads and, and in, have a conversation around the ads. That that's it's jarring for them, and they don't want to hear that. Interrupts the flow. Interrupts the flow, and so I um, there I have two responses to this, John. But I wanted to talk to you about it and get and get what your thoughts were on it. But the first response to quote uh, a friend of mine, Brian Brushwood, he said, "Every time you hear an ad, you should be thankful because the ads are what make it possible for us to do the show. Without that, there would be no show. Without the ads, that we wouldn't be able to do the show." gratitude uh and so the the second response is um if if you don't want ads at all you can support the show directly we can have a direct one-to-one relationship Hmm. uh with the the listeners with the patreon that i set up a while back Mm -hmm. which is still going on and there's still thank you to the uh people who support us on the show well, let, let me let me uh, let me ask you: Do you have in mind a target uh, where people supporting the Patreon would ha- would uh, get to some some benchmark where you would stop selling advertising? Well, uh, okay. So here here's something. I don't know if we should. There are certain things that uh, I feel should remain private. You're right. You know how many how many listeners we have i can tell you we have tens of thousands of listeners that's oh hello ten, not hundreds of thousands tens of thousands right well oh, now my confusion is that now that i'm really like in this yeah podcast, you're a podcaster now like you've committed podcast, to this i got podcasts coming out my uh <laughs> my, my <laughs> exhaust pipe that's right yes you do um and it seems like there's no agreed upon first of all nobody seems to know how many listeners anybody has well but there doesn't appear to be any agreed upon even way of measuring it. Some people are like, oh, weekly episode listens. And some right. You don't like, want that. Monthly t- listens. There, and- there actually is. There actually All is. Right. Um, and as the creator of a podcast hosting platform, uh, I, and, and, and having done this since 2006, I can tell you that there, there are ways. And the, what you want, if you're trying to measure this, is yeah. you want to know the number of downloads that an episode receives. And there's two important numbers. The first one is how many gets in its first week. And the yep. second, which is what is used to sell the ads is how many gets in the first month. That's really what they're interested in. It's not I all downloads across all episodes. It's not quote unquote subscribers. No one cares about that. It all comes down to how many downloads did one episode get in 30 days. And the, you want to be sure to, to use smart methods to not, count things too many times there's something called range requests you want to ignore that etc etc so what what you're really trying to do is you're trying to find out how many times an episode was downloaded by a a single individual that's not possible exactly because let's say i use overcast on my phone right but i also Mm -hmm. 
Maybe I use iTunes on, I don't, but maybe I use iTunes on my desktop computer too. Well, it's still just me listening to it in two places, right? So it should, that should only really count as one, but in reality, that kind of counts as two. But anyway, we, we have rough numbers that are pretty accurate these days. They're pretty good. Yeah. So we've got, you know, tens of thousands of listeners of these tens of thousands of listeners, John, this is the, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, all of you. We have have five hundred and as of right now, five hundred and thirty two people out of twenty, thirty, forty thousand potential downloads that we could be getting um, are are what are are actually donating a dollar or more per month. Oh, I see to us. So right now I'll share this because it's public. You can go to Patreon dot com slash roadwork. And you, yeah. this is not this is not secret information. We make of those uh, 532 patrons, they give us fifteen hundred and seventy eight dollars per month. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys don't want to hear ads anymore, which would be our preference, we don't want to do the ads. I would much rather be a listener. I feel like John is a listener supported person. Mm-hmm. I feel like his shows, including this one, especially this one, <laughs> should be a listener supported show. Oh. So are you so? You know, I I mean, I'm thankful that we have advertisers because if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to do the show at all. The listeners would not have any show. But if they want to get rid of the ads, I mean, how much, what do you think it's worth? What do you think this show is worth to people, John? We do the show every week mostly. And when we do the show, it's it's about an hour in length. So yeah. the, 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 the people listening are getting about four to five, let's call it five hours a month of entertainment. What is the value of five hours to them? Five hours of entertainment. What do you think the value? What should we, should we put a value on that? Is it $5? Is it, you know, is that, I would pay $5 for five hours of entertainment. Mm-hmm. When I go to a movie, a lot of time I don't like the movie. Uh, but when I go to the movie, I think the tickets, what is it? $10 for a movie? Oh, it's $15. $15 yeah. So $15 for a movie. And you're not just, I'm not one of those dorks who goes into a movie and like smuggles in my own like beef jerky in my back pocket i'm gonna buy popcorn i'm a human being that's another 15 dollars if you get a get a soda and a candy or more yeah and if you go to the alamo like i do then you know you're gonna get suckered into the yeah i had to get a burger too you go to the alamo yeah the alamo draft house i've never been to the alamo oh when you come out here or if you go to they've got some in california too uh the alamo is the best place to see a movie we're not talking about the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. You're talking about some kind of place. Yeah, the Alamo Draft House. It's um. Oh Jesus! It's great. You had me. You had me all hooked. Like, oh, Dan <laughs> Benjamin goes to the Alamo. All I've the been time. to the. I've like, been. Wow. Hey, I've been to the Alamo. <laughs> then you're talking about a fucking brew house. It's the be- no, it's the best theater you've ever been to. Shame on you. All right, all right. Shame on you. When I'm in Texas, I'm not going to the movies. I'm doing exciting things. Ah, we're going to go to steers. And <laughs> I, got, I did get a new cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah, a, I saw that hat, and it's not a cowboy hat. It's a cowboy. It's sold at the Allen's Booth. No, that's not a cowboy hat. Yeah. No, that's like the that's the hat that uh, no, it's a Richie Sambora no, wears no, no, in, no. in Bon Jovi. No, it's a full-on cowboy hat. All right. And I got the Westerns to prove it. Okay. So 1578. <laughs> is all we're taking in from this. And yet there's, there's 30,000 people right now listening Mm -hmm. uh, who don't feel, you know, they don't feel bad about it, but then they're going to turn around and complain about the ads. So let's do, let's do a fundraiser. Let's do it. Jesse, Jesse Thorne style 
fundraiser where every episode all we'll do is just talk about how we we want to raise the money. Well, you know, I I lived I lived through a couple of different eras uh, around these ideas, right? The when I first started making rock music, it was thought that any commercialization of your art was um well, a betrayal of what you had made. It was a disgusting mm-hmm. uh, exploitation of your own output. Uh, during the early 90s, the idea that you would profit from your music by any method other than a direct connection with the record-buying public right. was um, not just frowned upon, but it was unthinkable. And this was at a time when CDs were $18 and right. rec- record companies were exploiting people because a CD cost one cent to make. Mm. But, but this was the, this was the notion, right? You did not ever want to, uh, I mean, but, it, <clears throat> but also during this era, you didn't want to appear that you wanted anything. You didn't want fame. Kurt Cobain tried to make it look like he didn't even want fans, um, a lot of it was horseshit, but it was the, you know, it was the, it was basically the logical extension of a kind of ethic that came out of the authenticity wars of punk rock mm-hmm. where, you know, part, partly they weren't these aging dinosaurs that had 17 keyboards on stage. And right. the extent, <laughs> the extension of that was that they didn't even believe in capitalism and you had to in order for your music to have any authority, you had to live a, a life of relative squalor. I mean, if you read Henry Rollins's book, it just is horseshit. He's talking about like sleeping in a piss filled 50 gallon drum because he, you know, because, uh, they, they couldn't afford anywhere to stay. But in this, on the same page, he's like, and then we sold out the Metro in Chicago three nights. And it's like, well, if you're bragging about selling out the Metro, even at a $5 ticket, you guys had enough money to get a hotel room like that. It just doesn't pass the smell test, you know? But anyway, that was the nineties and it went so far as like sunny day real estate refused to do magazine interviews because they felt that talking about their music was a corruption of mm-hmm, it and they mm-hmm. just wanted the music to speak for itself all this shit and then um famously at least in indie rock circles the shins out of nowhere just out completely out of this environment where where i mean uh, you know nick harmer of death cab for cutie actually put a piece of tape over the fender logo of his fender p base <laughs> Because he did not want to give free advertising to the Fender company. Wow. Uh, and a P-Base is a P-Base. It's not like anybody that knows anything would ever recognize it as anything else. But out of nowhere, the Shins suddenly had an, an, a song in a McDonald's ad. Like not only did they go, not only did they accept an advertisement, but they accepted an advertisement with a company that, was completely antithetical to every single like ethical uh, tent pole that indie rock would have ever erected. And we were all aghast 
but it was so bold and so unapologetic that, and the shins didn't comment on it. There was a ton of, this was before the super internet. It was just like news group internet. Still. Right. Sure. And I'm sure there was a lot of shit talking over there. I wasn't participating in it, but they just ignored it. And then all of a sudden, holy shit. Everybody said, well, I mean, the shins are a great band and they're, they're not, um, you know, they're one of us and they did this. And so overnight bands were taking money for ads. Right. Um, the postal service made as much money putting their song in those ads for, uh, United Parcel Service or Federal Express, one of the two. What what song was in that one? I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, Such Great Heights. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And not, not even the vocals, just like. Right. While the guy's like, you should use our, our service. I mean, they made as much money from that as they did from selling record. Mm. And the Long Winters made money from having our music used in the OC and various usages back when you could make money doing that. But then I also lived through the era, uh, where all of a sudden file sharing arrived on the scene. Uh, prior to that, there, you know, there wasn't enough bandwidth for people to download a song. It would have taken all week, but all of a sudden it, you know, MP3, um, and Napster allowed people to just take your music. And there was all this um, moral righteousness that came from young people who believed that they should have the right to steal your music. Um, people would say, music should be free. I heard that a lot. Mm -hmm. And Probably not that, often from people who make music, but from people who don't want to pay for it. Well, I can tell you that no one in 2000 two who was making a record was making it with the idea of it being free. No, that was not anyone's intention. And the intention of the musicians was not, no one ever asked that on the file sharing side. And, and music was just unlucky in that this technology arrived before anyone realized what was happening. It was a fait accompli. And filmmakers, or Hollywood, rather, saw it, and there still wasn't the technology to stream or download a movie. Mm -hmm. And before that technology arrived, they had secured all the rights to their product. So you can't just go get a – you have to really pirate a first-run film or, you know, I mean, eventually with streaming, they've, they've made it available, but they had already – laid out all the contracts. Uh, Hollywood did not, did not lose a generation of, of their products. And eventually the reaction among the music community was really split. There were uh, a lot of musicians who primarily wanted to, I mean, honestly, like they didn't want to look uncool. And so they came out and said like, you know, yes, you know, like download my music for free, but make sure you come out to the show and, and 
buy the the t-shirt and there was that whole that whole wave of talking about musicians as though like well why are they so upset like they sell so many t-shirts on tour and they sell all these concert tickets and that's where musicians should make their money not charging us for their work and iTunes came out and iTunes decided that a song was worth 99, 99 cents. cents right and they didn't consult anybody. Um, and the idea that a song a song was worth ninety nine cents was like, oh, okay, shit, I guess so, you know. And and a lot of like labels tried to price their songs at a dollar twenty nine or whatever it was, and nobody bought them because a song was established at ninety nine cents. And that changed the nature of making albums because up until that point, if you wanted to hear a song, you bought an album. And then you had, in a lot of cases, the, I mean, what the musician, certainly what I did, was make an album. Right. You were building something that wasn't just a song, or you might have known, oh, that one's maybe the big song, or that one's going to be the big song, but like you were making a, it was a piece of art as a whole, right? It was a concept thing. It, 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 was, it was a series of songs that played off each other, that were in a thing called an album, that had special artwork to it, that probably had liner notes. You know, like it was, it was a, it intended to be, I believe, a full, a full experience. And I always felt like coming from, I grew up with vinyl, like we're super old, like we grew up with vinyl. We've talked about how you wanted to do vinyl pressing at one point. Um, but like the compromise to go down to a cassette tape was insulting to the artist. The concept of going down to a, to a, a CD down from the what you could you know the house is a holy artwork you know like that was like you would put the the record jacket up and people used it as art in a lot of places you wouldn't do that with a, a cassette tape or see like that was a compromise enough right but now people aren't even getting the album anymore they're just getting the one song off the one album and they don't hear the rest of it i mean if people knew how much time <clears throat> I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I know that other musicians are far more meticulous than I am. I mean, Dave Bazan or Not a Surf or Death Cab, like just among my friends, I know they probably all spent a lot more time doing it than I did. But the amount of time I spent at the mastering house with the mastering engineer deciding how many seconds of silence we were going to put in between tracks right, on the record right? and listening to it go by and then saying like, add another quarter of a second and listening to it, trying to create the perfect amount of silence between tracks. And some tracks you would have more silence after them and some you'd have almost no silence as a way of building a whole thing. And and often, of course, you would have a song that you wanted to blend seamlessly right, into another right. song. And the problem with CDs, with the introduction of CDs, was that if you delineated those two things as separate songs, the CD technology would just insert silence mm. for a second. So you're like, da na 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 because it was a second it was another track. right right <laughs> and and that was fucking annoying as as you can imagine but you know on itunes now you can get them separately you can't listen to them as a whole 
But so living through all of that and watching my music come out and taking CDs out on tour as a way of, uh, like my deal with my indie rock record label was that, um, rather than have the enormous complication of figuring out how to pay mechanical royalties, um, which is not to say like the royalties of the other half, but like the mechanical royalties, they would give us free CDs, boxes and boxes of free CDs that we would take and sell on tour. And those CDs were a, 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 not just a portion of our income, but they were um, the profits that the label was giving us in lieu of paying us uh, mechanical royalties and then charging us for CDs. And so I went it, just in my own 10 year long um, touring life, went from that where I would have these CDs and, and people would come up after the show and line up and buy them. And you're just like, wow, look at this. Like we made $200 tonight. I would say to the four of us as we climbed into our van, <laughs> right. put $65 worth of gas in it and drove to the, to the motel six on the edge of town and paid $80 for a room. Um, I went from that to, in just a few years, sitting at that merch table and seeing people come up, look across the table, lean over and say, well, I've got all your stuff. I mean, sorry to tell you, but I downloaded it, you know, lol. But I just wanted to tell you your music means a lot to me and just wanted to shake your hand and pat you on the head. And I would go, great. How about a T-shirt? And they're like, man, I don't really wear band T-shirts. And off they'd lope. Hmm. And just feeling like, well, great. I'm glad my music means a lot to you. Um, and so I, so I watched it. Obviously, like business changes um, during the years of the spotted owl controversy in the Northwest, where in order to protect the um, in order to protect the spotted owl, which was a uh, a sort of canary in a coal mine species that indicated that we had cut down so many forests in the Northwest that, that the wildlife wasn't going to be able to survive. And if the, if the spotted owl died, it wasn't just that we worried about this one little owl. It was that that was a symbol of the fact that it wouldn't be long before all the other stuff died. I mean, the, the uh, spotted owl wasn't dying because it didn't have, fluffy trees it was dying because it couldn't find food but what happened was a generation of lumberjacks lost their jobs and they were furious and it was a it was one of these cause celebs where uh lumberjacks were super mad at environmentalists and there was a, a whole division between those two groups um the tree hugging right granola crunching hippies and the working class backbone of America lumberjacks. And what, what they failed to understand was that was not what was killing the lumberjack. What killed the lumberjack was the mechanization of timber harvesting and the fact that we were shipping whole logs overseas 
to Japan and then ultimately to China to be milled there. And then they were shipping milled lumber back to us. And that was part of the globalization of the time. And it was more cost effective than just keeping mills open and milling our own lumber. Um, we just made more money doing it that way. And so the lumberjacks and the hippies, this was just a kind of, uh, a distraction and it, and it's sort of a typical one where we see it all the time where people vote against their own interests or they argue against their own interests, either because they don't fully understand what's happening or because they don't, they're not capable of, they don't have the power to argue against gl the globalization of the timber trade. And so they they yell at the hippies that are, that are the most vocal. But during that time, when the, when the lumberjacks were writing, these are timber dollars on all of the dollar bills that went through the bars of Packwood, Washington. And you'd see one pop up every once in a while, timber dollar. <laughs> Just so we all knew that that dollar had come as a result of, of, you know, a timber economy. My attitude then was, look, man, times are changing. The, the waves are always crashing. And if we lose the economy of Packwood because of this change in the way we harvest lumber, um, it's a small price to pay compared to losing the entire population of, of, uh, raptors in the mountains of the, of the West. And, and so when this sea change was happening in the way that music was sold, I had to be conscious of, that I had already made that argument 10 years before about the way that economies change. And so, uh, so, and there was that stopgap, which was that the OC uh, used the long winter's music in, in their season finale. And that wouldn't have happened 10 years before. So I was making money that didn't prior that didn't exist prior, but I was losing money that did used to exist, which was, I wasn't able to sell records the same way. I mean, I was selling more records than I had, but making the equivalent or less right. or much less ultimately. And the argument, you know, about t-shirts is just like, fuck you. If you ever made that argument that bands make a living off of selling t-shirts, go fuck yourself. Um, why don't you go make a living off of selling t-shirts and tell me how it goes? We would like to thank Beachbody On Demand. It's an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world-class workouts that are personalized to meet your needs. This is really cool, and I'm trying this out too. You get an amazing selection of tons of these different different programs. Uh, they've got uh, P90, which I'm sure everyone's heard of, P90X. They got these, the T25 is the one I'm going to be trying. They've got a three-week yoga retreat, 21-day fix. They've got workout programs that are set up for people who are uh, only have you know, 15, 10, 15 minutes a day, all the way up to you ready to dedicate a full hour a day and more to training if you want. It's up to you. You set your goals. You say, this is what I want to want to get to. I want to lean out. I want to gain muscle. I want to lose weight. Whatever it is, 
there is a program on here that's right for you. And I'm really starting to uh, to get into this T25 program. This will this will be in our show notes. So if you if you go there, you can see the links to it. Uh, but for me, I've always found I'm willing to put in the time, but it's tough to find a program that's really interesting and something that I can do like in my own home that doesn't need a ton of fitness equipment and things like that. They've got programs that will challenge you no matter what your fitness level is, no matter whether you can go to a gym or whether you could just do it in your own home, whether you do it in front of the TV, you do it on your time. So you're not rushing around before work or after work or trying to fit this thing in, dealing with extra traffic, driving all around town. This is all convenient for you. You can do it on your computer. You can do it. You have one of those smart TVs. You can do it there because they've got apps for everything. I, I have the app for my Apple TV. That's how I do it. But you can even watch this thing on your phone in your hotel room. You don't need to go to a gym. You don't need to schedule a class. It's all right there. Again, you can do. This is what I did when I went to San Francisco. I had these workouts, watched them on my phone. It's awesome. 10 minutes per workout up to over an hour. They've got cardio. They've got weight training. They've got yoga. They've got low impact. They even have dance ones. If you want to learn how to dance, you can dance to, to get into shape. 600 workouts and nutritional information all for free for you to try. And your annual subscription is even cheaper than a gym membership. So you've got to give it a try. And right now, all y'all can get a free trial membership. And this is the way it works. You've got to text, and this is old school, trust me. You've got to text 303030. That's the number you're going to text. You just text the word roadwork to 303030. That's it. I'm not, I'm not making this up, but it actually works. Then you'll get full access to the entire platform for free, all the workouts, all the nutritional information. You text the word roadwork to 303030. Thanks very much to Beachbody On Demand. Do people really say that? I mean, was oh, that the that thing was people... One of, that was absolutely one of the arguments. Um, and that was also during the period when the uh, Irving Plaza in New York City, uh, I set up the merch table one day, and a guy from the club comes up, puts a piece of paper down and says, um, at the Irving Plaza, we take 20% of the money you earn from merchandise. So I'm going to count all the merchandise you brought into the building now. I'm going to you're going to sit here and watch me count your t-shirts. And then at the end of the night I'm going to come back and I'm going to count them again. And you're going to owe me 20% of what's missing. It doesn't matter if somebody sneaks one, it doesn't matter if you give one to a fan or if you give 5 to your fans because they're loyal fans. When I come back I'm going to charge you 20% of the cost of those. And you're talking about a t-shirt that you paid. If you wanted a three color t-shirt, then you paid six fifty for it mm-hmm. to buy it and, and print it. And then you schlepped it across the country and you carried it into the club every night and carried it back out to the van. If you didn't sell it and then you're selling it for, you know, depending on how punk rock you are, you're selling it for 10 bucks if you're really punk rock and you're making 350 on it or if you were like really bold you could sell it for 12 bucks and if you just wanted to communicate to people that you didn't give a shit about anything you would sell them for 15 bucks right 
And then here this person is and they're like, okay, well, you know, you sold these t-shirts for 12 bucks. You owe me $2 and 50 cents per shirt. And it's like, we owe, I mean, we sold them for 12 bucks and we made five fifty. And you're taking two fifty. You're not taking twenty percent of our sales. You're taking half of right. our profit. Right. And they're like, well, that's the cost of doing business, you know. And what they would say, what they would say, we're providing the table, we're providing the space in the club, and we're providing the light that shines on your merch table. And for that, you rent the space. And what happened was bands would say, well, then we have to charge $20 for the shirt. It's the only way we can, we can like have this make sense at all. And they're like, all right, well then you owe us $4 a shirt. And you're like, well, I mean, I remember sitting there what the first time this happened to me and I was like, well then fuck you forever. <laughs> you no. Know, and this guy had to do this every night, right? He just had this like, this like lock jaw dead eyed stare because he was the guy who had to go and just band after band. You never heard of this before, but now I'm the one that's telling you about it. And after a very short amount of time, all the big clubs did it. The little clubs didn't most of them, but that became the standard. And that's where you started to see $25 tour t-shirts on little from little bands. That's where, you know, the, the $10 t-shirt was long gone. The $12 t-shirt long gone. Um, you got, now you're at $25 and I mean the big stadium shows always were charging a ton of money, but the stadium shows went from $30 for a shirt to $60 for a shirt. And I don't know what you get a band t-shirt for now, but I mean, who knows? But anyway, all, all by way of saying, uh, and a lot of relationships suffered during that time. Like a guy on, uh, on my record label who was an established old school artist on the label and a good friend of mine during that period was out giving interviews for, uh, for during his record release saying, you know, go music should be free. Go ahead and take my record. Just make sure you come to the shows and the guy that owned the record label was like, what? Why are you saying that? Yeah, really? I mean, we are doing all this work for you. The only way we get paid is selling records. We don't make any money off of your concerts or t-shirts. And they got into a big argument because the artist didn't want to alienate his fans and be on the, on the wrong side, the side of of greedy musicians who wanted people to pay for their songs. <laughs> greedy. <laughs> he wanted to be, you know, Mr. Mr. Friendly guy and have everybody love him. And the label was like, I, we can't have you on the label. If you're advocating, not buying your album, like, I mean, do you know how much work we do to put your record out? And he left the label. Um, and, and I think thought that he was going to go elsewhere and have more success. Yeah. Uh, and he left the label and went elsewhere and sold a 
fifth of the records that he used to sell and eventually, you know, transitioned out of the, out of making music. Uh, and that happened a lot. Uh, var- variations on that theme, right? Radiohead put out a record at that point that was like, pay what you want. I remember that. Uh, and everybody said, wow, that's amazing. But it was Radiohead at the peak of their powers. And so they say, put out, you know, put out this record, take it if you want. And there were people that were like, I'm going to give them a thousand dollars. And a lot of people that just took it like the Hamburglar, but Radiohead didn't presumably didn't make that much less and maybe made more, but that's not a business model. You know, you can't ask a band that's selling 8,000 records, uh, to think that they're going to be like Radiohead. So, you know, it had major, major, major ramifications. Um, it's why labels and managers started signing bands to what we call 360 deals. If you are a young band now and you go sign a record contract with a label, they will put a, a contract in front of you that's called a 360 deal, which means that they take a cut of every cent you make, the money you make at your concerts, the money you make at t-shirts, the money you make at um, crowdfunding, every penny. Because the label says, look, you know, we don't make money selling records. We make money selling bands. Right. And so, you know, to be on our label, you pay us whatever, 20% or I don't know what the deals are, 50% maybe of every penny you make. Um, and obviously like it, it, there are still bands it still works. There's, there's not, it's, uh, bands didn't stop existing. Record labels still exist. I mean, I don't know how the math pencils out for people. I know the checks that I get. And I know how much I get paid by Spotify. Um, I still make money on music. But it is very complicated. I make money on music by getting... 15 really small checks every quarter, but it all kind of ends up glomming together. But I'm a established musician that was making records 15 years ago. Right. I don't know how it would work if you were a small startup guy, you know, some band that was like four people that were trying to practice in a space that cost as much as your apartment cost and buy a van. I mean, it's so hard to buy a van when you're just starting out unless you have rich parents. But so, so when the, you know, when we started podcasting originally, when Merlin came to me with that first podcast said, let's do a podcast. And I didn't know what one was. I don't think it occurred to me that it, that it was a money earning thing. It seemed like a blog. And I don't remember blogs being things that made money. Because we weren't yet in the world where everything was monetized. And the question of monetizing everything was like the number one question. We live now in that world. There's no thing that you make that you don't try to find a way to get money from. And that is the, the and I don't look askance at it. Um, because there are a lot fewer ways to make money. Or what? 
that's wrong. There are a lot more ways to make money. Mm -hmm. There are just no ways to have a stable life. Even if you have a nine to five job and stock options and you're working and you think that you have tremendous loyalty to the company and you want to work there 30 years, uh, you get laid off or fired at the drop of a hat. Your job can be sent overseas and they're trying to send it overseas if they can. There's no, there's no such thing as work for a company for 30 years and retire at 50 with a full pension. You know, the only things you get, the only way to get that is to be in the military or to work for the government. Maybe for a union, I'm not hundred percent sure, but like most tech workers ha live with a, with a core instability that they might not even recognize, but it's, but compared to their parents or grandparents, compared to their great grandparents, they're much better off because their great grandparents were just hamburger. Um, but the labor laws of the 20th century created a world where there was quite a bit of security and a lot of, uh, what would you call it? Economic equity. There was more money in the hands of the middle class by a large margin than there is now. So nobody's got any security. Um, so yeah, you try to make money. But when we started selling advertising on Roderick on the line, we got a lot of shit from people because we had put that thing out there as initially like, well, this is what we're doing. It's free, I guess. Uh, and then it, then it became clear like, oh, you can make a dollar from this. And at that point, that was right at the moment, I think, when my mom sat me down in a chair and said, you haven't put out a record in four years. You're not making money anymore. And you're living like you don't have to get a job because you're an artist. But you're out of money. You're completely out of money. You don't have any money coming in and you don't have any money left. She said, you need to find a way to make money or you're going to lose your house right. or you're going to have to go to Amazon and get a job in their music supervision uh, department. And right about that time, Roderick on the line started making a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. And I also like got out of the house and started trying to do things play little shows and, and I started to earn a living by hook or by crook. Right. And for the last four years, five years, maybe I've cobbled together a living by the end of the year, every year by December 31st to the amazement of everybody. I like that last little spate of three or four checks arrives and I'm solvent. Mm -hmm. And podcasting has made a huge impact. Not It has not made me more money than I used to have. It has allowed me to continue to make the same amount of money as the money I make as a musician has declined. Podcasting has filled that hole. And when we started doing road work, there was never a time when we weren't 
putting advertising. Right. That was the premise of it. And the two new podcasts I have now are very definitely, we talk about money. We were talking about money before the podcast ever came out. And right. it doesn't, it's not like we, you know, like it's not like we pander in order to get money. Like this show could not be less pandering. Like if you were going to make us, if you were going to accuse us of like making a slick product in order to appeal to a, the widest audience possible in order to rake in those big podcast dollars, my God, I don't know what you think people's tastes are. <laughs> You know, it's not like it affects the content, but it is, we are conscious of the fact that you can make money from them. And there are a few people, Mark Marin, Joe Rogan, who are r- rich from it. Right. Well, there I are, think, well, I think I'm not to interrupt with your saying, but I think there's you, a, you, you're rich from it. R- obviously. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the Look thing. Cowboy hat. Look at that expensive cowboy hat. I mean, it was, you know, mm-hmm. was more hundred. than a couple bucks. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. You were saying. I'm sorry. To no, I mean, it's it's something that I think people don't realize because there are a lot of, I would say, the overwhelming majority of the people that are Fireside customers, which is the platform I built, I know because I talk to a lot of them. I'm doing support tickets for a lot of them. I talk to them in, in the Slack that we have for it. All, almost all of them are doing podcasts as a hobby, which means they have some kind of full-time job or business or whatever it is that they do, but podcasts are not providing them with their primary source of income, probably not their secondary or even, even bonus income. They're mostly doing it for fun. And... I think, excuse me, I think that's the case for most, most podcasters that are out there. They're doing it because they, it's fun for them to do it. And maybe in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, it would kind of be nice to make a little bit of money here and there. And, you know, maybe they do start making money and they're like, cool, you know, now I can, you know, take my spouse out to dinner or we can buy a better microphone for the podcast or whatever it is that, you know, that the few hundred bucks a month will, will get them. But there are very few people who are doing it for a living. And you and I both pretty much do this for a living. I mean, there's other ways we might make some money, but this is our job. This is like when I go into work, it is always about podcasting. I'm a podcaster. I have been full time since 2008, uh, 2009, beginning of 2009. Like this is my job and doing a show is my job. And so speaking for myself, if I wasn't doing this show with you, I would be doing another show with the goal of that show making money because if I don't do a show, I don't make money and then I don't can't pay any bills. I wonder who, I wonder what turkey you would be doing a show with and what kind of turkey ass show that would suck. Would it would be, it would be horrible. You're like blah 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 Macintosh yeah, that's blah, right. blah blah. That's like that's the summary of all the other shows I do. Mm-hmm. But you know th- so this is how we this is how we make a living now. And so when people say, Oh, the ad is really, I don't like hearing the ad. Like, you know, that's my job. Doing the ad is my job. Doing the show is my job. So it's like, if somebody said to you, 
the part of the job that you do for a living, the thing you do for a living, it, it bothers me that you have to do that, that thing. You'd say, what are you talking about? This is my job. This is how I make a living. Well, yeah, but I don't like that. You shouldn't do it. Don't, don't do that part of it. Just do the part that I like. Um, we would, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> like, we would love to just do the part that you like, uh, which is the talking part and not the advertising part. I don't know. The whole point of this podcast for me is to do things that nobody likes, but if people keep <laughs> saying that they like it, I don't understand it. Like, want to talk? Want to hear a middle-aged guy talk about all the things that make him sad? Sign up. It's a good show. It's a show that helps people. That's nice. I mean, that's nice of people to say. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's I think it's very different because podcasts, really, they've always been they they are consumed for free. You know, you don't. That's right. You that's don't right. you don't have to. So any kind of payment and there have been companies and people who have tried to sandbox their podcast by saying, well, what does that mean? So they would say the only way that you get to listen to the show is if you download my app, which costs eight dollars or if you. Uh, if you pay a subscription fee to me or something like that. And so then the, the response to that was screw you. We'll listen to another podcast instead. Yeah. So the kind of a compromise was to say, okay, we'll do a Patreon thing, but because we feel so guilty uh, about the fact that we maybe make a living from doing podcasts and want, want our listeners to pay for it. We're so, we're so horrible. Mm-hmm. That we'll still, the podcast will be free and we won't ask for money on that, but we'll, we'll create additional content for you behind the scenes content or a magic episode or, Oh, this is the after dark. And that's stuff, the dude. after dark stuff, uh, mm-hmm. which do we ever do that? Not very much. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but people almost expect that there, the, the attitude is like, well, why would I give you any money on Patreon? The podcast is free and you're not posting any bonus information. It's not giving us anything special for being a supporter. You're not giving me anything for that. So why would I do that? Like you only did two special episodes in 2017. Like why would I pay $5 a month for that? Mm-hmm. You know, but the flip side of this is uh, that there, there are people like, um, like the no agenda folks. Uh, Adam Curry and, and John Dvorak, who their show is listener supported, has always been listener supported, and they both make their full time salaries essentially from the donations that they get for that show. And that's not for any bonus information. It's just that's how they that's how they do the show. They don't take any ads at all. They never have, but they started a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the attitude of I should get this for free. And I'll only I'll only support the show if like I want that bonus content that you guys never do. So screw you, I'm not supporting the show. But it it seems it's surprising to me because I support lots of shows. Yeah, uh, oh, on, with Patreon? on on Patreon on PayPal, and uh, for the people that don't do that, if they sell merchandise, if they sell a T-shirt or something, I'll buy it. Because I'm a podcaster, and I know this is the same thing when I was when I was in high school and early college. My job, the, the best job that I had out of all the ones that I had was a Domino's pizza delivery driver. And I did that for several years. And it was always amazing to me that the best tips that I got were from the people on the other side of the tracks, the working class people, the middle class people, 
the people who had, you know, Fords and Hondas and not Mercedes and BMWs on the other side of the tracks, the people, the rich people, they would give you loose change as a tip. And the middle class, lower middle class, lower income people, the people who had less money would give you phenomenal tips every time. And it was, yeah, of course. it was a known thing among the drivers. Like if you know, you'd see an address come up, you try to grab that pizza because you knew you were going to the lower, lower uh, income people. You knew you were going to get a better tip. And I'm not, I mean, they, I, they always say that, that, the, that, that the, um, middle class and lower middle class are the ones that tie the most money to church and right. give the most money to charity. And you know, it's not like a, you would get a lot of tips. I mean, back then a pizza wasn't $30 like it is now, you know, you could get a pizza for between 10 and 15 bucks. You get two pizzas with everything for like 17, 18 bucks. So, you know, if it, you, if you were do, delivering a pizza that was 1250, they'd give you 15 bucks and say, keep the change. It's 250. That's not a lot, but that's something they might give you three, four, five bucks sometimes. But the rich people, they'd be like, oh, well, here, you know, you can keep the change. You'd be like, okay, like it's 14 cents. Like I had rich, tips like that frequently. Rich people suck. We, we've established that already. But, you know, I, that, it's, it's almost like that. It's like, um, you know, people I think come, uh, come away with a feeling of like they expect a podcast to be free. And we are doing it for free. But we are still counting on the listeners to support the show. I would, I would love to not have to have any ads on the show. I would love to. That. I would love that. Never interrupt the show. Never interrupt your stories. Never interrupt our conversation with anything. And have the people who are supporting the show. But see, you can't do that. You can't just, you can't just think that someone will support the show anymore because the expectation has now been set because of that pushback. Because there's pushback against saying, wait a minute, it's free. Why should I have to pay? Okay, you're right. You're right. I'm so sorry for, I'm so, I am so sorry for asking you guys to support what we're doing here. Uh, instead, we're going to do more work, but you, and then you can pay us for the more work since what we're doing already has no value. We want your dollar a month. We want your $5 a month. So, uh, you know, that we'll do extra work. We'll do something more and then you can pay for that. Because we can't ask for money on the main thing, so we'll do something extra. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I've done well, that. Dad, hold on, Dan. You're starting to hyperventilate. All right. I know. I I know. Uh, I I mean, believe me. I agree, but but the, there's another there's another consideration, which is, I mean, somebody asked me the other day. And I'm starting to get asked this a lot, and I think I know why. It's because there's so much gray in my beard. But people have started asking me what my retirement plan is. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're asking it not sarcastically. They're genuinely curious. A good friend of mine asked me this question last night. Do I have a retirement plan? And, you know, it never occurred to me to have a retirement plan. Because it's not how I've lived my life. I never thought that I was doing a, you know, it's, 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 I think a difference between thinking of your work as something that you do in order to pay for what you really want to do, which is the stuff that you think is your life, which is your hobbies or right. your, your, your real life, your secret life, the life that you have when you get home from work. 
And I never thought of, of what I did as that. I didn't go to work in order to pay for my freedom. Um, I just sort of decided somewhere along the line that I was just going to, my work was going to be maintaining my freedom. However, I could pull it off. And so I don't, I never, it never occurred to me to retire from it. Um, I, I'm still not sure what it is that I do and how I could retire from it. <laughs> uh, and that's all about, I mean, I imagine that when I'm 80 years old, I'm still going to be relent restless. I was about to say relentless, but I'm not sure I'll be relentless. I feel like when I'm 80 years old, I might be tired, but I'll be restless. <laughs> right. And still trying, trying to earn a living. And by that, I don't mean that I'll, that I will ever sort of have to go be a Walmart greeter. I'll still be trying to make a living the way I do now, which is by my wits. And with luck, I will. Although, just like the guys that thought that they would make a living as a lumberjack um, forever, the ones that were in that generation where all of a sudden you couldn't do it anymore, uh, it's entirely possible that a day may come when something significant changes in the world such that I can no longer make a living from my wits. It may, right. it may be that people decide that they really have no interest in hearing, uh, from wits even, you know what I mean? Like it may be that the, that the, the world changes entirely and that everyone is interested only in like three dimensional entertainment. And I mean, we keep predicting when YouTube came up, it, it was like, oh, nobody's going to want to listen to albums anymore when they can watch them. Right, of course right. people do. And the podcasts have been bigger and bigger and bigger the closer we are to being able to watch, you know, watch things in real time. But when, when, uh, when augmented reality comes up, are people still going to want to listen to podcasts? You know, maybe, but maybe not. So I can't predict what I'm going to be doing for a living 20 or 30 years from now, but I don't have any savings. And it's not that I'm not frugal and savings oriented. I am. I just don't make enough to, to save. And I'm not extravagant. I just... You know, and the thing is that the, that my riches are not measured in possessions or in security. My riches are measured in uh, my my freedom, and I recognize that those that that is a form of wealth, and it's not a it's not a form of wealth that. Um, I mean, maybe it is a form of wealth that will support me into old age. Maybe it's a form of wealth that will all dry up. But the idea of saying, well, we're not going to sell advertising if we get enough Patreon supporters is like a, a, it's an interesting 
limitation, right? A self-limitation where you're saying like, we're going to set a, an amount and if we reach it, then we're fine and everybody's cool. And if, you know, if you don't, if you didn't contribute any money, but we reach that, then you get the show with no ads and you didn't have to pay anything for it. And that's just the, that's what we call bleed or something. I don't know. You know, it's funny about movies because there's people when they, when they pay $15 for a movie, they, justify it i think because the movie costs a lot of money to make right and they're aware of that because it's floods the news it floods the world it's oh 250 million 500 million yeah right millions and millions and millions to make and so they pay 15 dollars for it and their perception of a podcast is that it doesn't cost anything right to, to make but when you look at it the way you were describing it before like if you listen to every episode of a podcast, you're getting, what did you say? Five hours of entertainment. Yeah. I mean, I think in in some cases it could be a lot more than that. We've already been talking for over an hour. Have we really? Yeah. God, Uh, we might go to an hour and a half. We might do two hours. I'm sorry, audience. And I can imagine that people are like rolling their eyes. Like, why are you guys just talking about the business of what you do? But, but it's important. It's important to figure out how to make a living. And I think there are a lot, probably a lot of people listening who also want to make a living by their wits, by their own ingenuity and not be paid by someone else. Um, I have a good friend who just got laid off and he's, you know, my age, a little younger, but more or less my age, got laid off. And he said, I'm tired of working for people. Like, I want to start my own thing. And the analogy he made was like, you know, it, it feels like a gold rush town all around me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like working for the hotel or I'm working for the, the, you know, the pimp or whatever. And what I want to be doing is I want to be the guy selling shovels. I don't want to be. I don't want to be anything fancy, but everybody at this gold rush needs a shovel. And I just want to be the one that's got a little shovel stand and just selling shovels one by one. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. It, and then that's not easy. And he's got a plan. He's not just like, I quit my job and I'm going to start selling, selling shovels. Like he's got a, he's working toward a thing. Yeah. But, but the idea that you would pay $15 to watch an hour and a half long movie and feel that that was a, that was a reasonable expense given that the movie cost uh, $80 million to make. Or, or do you look at it like I got five, and, five hours of enjoyment from a podcast that, uh, this month and I watched that movie and I got one and a half hours of enjoyment and I think about the movie after I saw it, but I think about the podcast more like it affects my life more. And to try and, you know, think about what the, what it's worth based on that, based on what it gives you rather than what it costs to make. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a, an argument that is coming from a podcaster. So it's self-justifying, but you, you know, you definitely within our culture, we do not pay as much for things of subtle beauty as we do for spectacle. Right. Good point. We don't, you know, we don't pay 
professors as much as we do football coaches. We don't pay, we don't spend money to see plays. We spend money to see stock car races, you know? So it's always a, it's always a challenge to argue that something that is subtle is worth more. Right. And I, I keep coming back to the fact that those fuckers that, that built angry birds got a, you know, sold their company for a billion dollars. Right. Right. Like, from a standpoint of how much time people devote to playing angry birds, it makes sense based on the, you know, the sort of attention economy of like, we've got these people's attention. We've got millions and millions of people watching this. Now we just need to slip ads into it. It's worth a billion dollars. But what has angry birds contributed to the world? Like it has contributed absolutely zilch. Right. It's a, it's a drain, right? It's just a, <laughs> I mean, why well, not wait? I've, I'll, I'll correct that because like, I think that people play angry birds to come down. You know, they get at, they get, they're anxious. They get excited. They're, they, uh, at the end of the day or during their coffee break or whatever, they play angry birds and it's like relaxing. It's, it's meditative and that does have value. I don't want to suggest that video games or that kind of video game because I sit and play fucking brick breaker for two hours a day and who knows why, who knows what it's doing, just occupying my mind and my thumb. But if you took it away from me, it'd be like taking away my, taking away my whoopee. What would I suck my thumb? <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, maybe that's how people feel like it's just, it's not valuable enough because it's sort of, it's, you know, it, they don't, it's not a big deal about how, oh, it's not hard to make a podcast. It's not hard. All you have to do is just get a microphone. You're making a podcast. It's easy. You just talk and then you, blah, you, blah, hit, a, you hit a button and it's out there and you get a billion people listening to it. It's easy. I'm the big act. It sure, it sure oh, seems oh. it sure seems easy. I mean, I think it it seems really easy to get up on stage and play some music. Like, the, how hard can that be? It's an easy how life. How hard, indeed? How hard can it be? I make some play some songs. It's really hard. I learned three chords. Now I can. Like, why is that hard? Why should I pay yeah. them any money? Well, you know, they thought of a song that I could have thought of if I had thought of it before they did, but they thought of it. And now I'm just listening to it, and I don't want to sure. pay for that. Well, songs all come from Jesus. You all know that. <laughs> you sit there and wait. Wait for the stork <laughs> right. to drop them off. <laughs> you just sit You sit on the edge of your bed in the morning. The song comes in. Mm-hmm. You sit down in front of your guitar, piano, whatever, and bang it out. Bang it out. Done. We would like to thank Blue Apron, the leading meal kit delivery service in the United States. And a lot of people know what they do. But a lot of people don't know about the types of meals that you eat when you cook with Blue Apron. They've got strip steaks with potatoes, spicy maple collard greens. These are steakhouse-inspired recipes that have a delicious twist. Chili-infused maple syrup. Come on. How could you get better than that? Incredible ingredients. Chef-designed recipes. Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. You're going to eat healthy. Okay? Because their stuff, it's all non-GMO ingredients. Meat that has no added hormones. They do 12 new recipes every week. You can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what you want in your schedule. And it changes every week. 
everything, the exact ingredients you need show up to your door and you can cook these things. I find it takes about half an hour. They want me to say it's under 45 minutes. In my experience, it's closer to half an hour. And you can cook, you cook with your, your friends, your family, your kids, involve these other people in your life in cooking and make it like cooking used to be, you know, it's a lot, it can be a lot of fun and the food is delicious. It turns out great. You're going to make something. You're going to be like, wow, this actually looks like the picture that they sent me on this cool recipe card. You, of course, you keep the recipe cards. You can make it again anytime you want on your own. But they have so much great stuff in here. The, the ones I'm looking at now, they got a spicy chicken and stir fried vegetables with jasmine rice. The jasmine rice was awesome. Awesome. I had this one or two nights ago. Uh, really, really good. Like they know what they're doing. And, uh, and you're going to make a meal and you're going to know what you're doing. It's pretty cool. You're going to learn to cook. Roadwork listeners are going to get $30 off their first order if they go to blueapron.com slash roadwork. Blueapron.com slash roadwork. Check out this week's menu and save 30 bucks. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Blueapron.com slash roadwork. Well, the thing about these podcasts is, you know, nobody realizes how many motorcycle crashes I had to get into (laughs) when I was young in order to be an effective podcaster. Right. And it is more than zero motorcycle crashes. But anyway, so the whole point of this, when you started this uh, discussion at the beginning of this podcast, it is obvious to me, was to encourage people to directly support the show. And this is because of a couple of things. One, you're responding apparently, or I guess, to a spate of letters from angry. Not not a lot, but there's a few. A few. And I can only imagine that they are youth. I do not think that a 40-year-old or even a 30-year-old would make that argument. Maybe a 30-year-old would. But I don't think a 40-year-old would ever write a letter to a podcast saying, your ads bother me. You know, every time I watch a thing on YouTube now, I have to sit through a 30-second ad. Sometimes I'm only watching a 30-second thing, and I have to sit through an ad each time. It didn't even used to be that way. It used to be that you'd watch an ad, and then you'd get to watch some videos for free. But now it's like ads, ads, ads. And, you know, you just fucking endure them, right? But but I'm not sure how many people – I mean, obviously, everybody hates that. There's not a soul alive that wants to watch those ads. But you just roll over and take it because that's the way that monetizing things works. And, you know, and obviously, as we've talked before, I don't listen to podcasts, so I have no idea. I don't. (laughs) If you're selling a ton of ads on these shows, then you should send me more money, Dan. I imagine it's just an ad, right? Or at most two ads on a show? Uh, it depends. I mean, I want, if we get really lucky like this one, we'll have three. You sometimes We're have three ads on this one. Yeah. Oh my God. I hope that when you put them in, you make it so that it is incredibly disruptive, interrupts us right in the middle of a thought. Would uh, you do that for me, please? I can definitely do that. Would you find the worst possible place to put the ads? Uh, yes. Just, just because I just want to just, I just want to get one of those letters. Yeah. A lot of the time, uh, you and I will do the spot together. And then you that know about it. And, and well, because I want to, you know, there's certain ones that I, here's the thing mm-hmm. on most of the shows that I've done over the years, I will do the spot with the co-host, mm-hmm. but I, I, I make an exception 
with you on this show to do it because I, I see you as a, a grand storyteller and I no. want to, I don't want to interrupt that flow of your story in, in any way. Whereas, you know, we our our mutual um, co-host Merlin. He's, he's very much aware of the business of the podcast and that we do the show. And so he's got a thing that he says is he'll, he'll make a point and then I'll say, Dan, why don't you tell me about something you like? And then that's my cue to launch into the ad. And oh, I see. In, in, you guys have a way. We have a way. And in the, in the other shows that I do and have done over the years, I'm sort of the one that's le- leading the show. Even if I have someone else who's, who's sort of talking about something, we're talking about topics. So we might have 10 topics to cover and I can say, okay, every third or fourth topic before I bring up the next one, I'll say, and we'd like to thank whoever. So, so you guys are like Macintosh, Macintosh, right, Macintosh, that's right. Macintosh. That's and then right. you're like, hang on just a second. Mm-hmm. Let's do this ad. And then you're like back to Macintosh, Macintosh. That's right. But in this, in the case of this show, I feel like we're sitting maybe by a hearth, you know, mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> the, the, the banjo is propped on your knee oh, and you will, you're, you're, you're telling a story at certain points. You might play a little, a little music as you're telling the story, you know, you might accompany yourself. If you like me to do that more, I mean, I can absolutely. Yes. If you know, if it's warranted. So I was there walking and uh, my little old girlfriend called me up and said, why don't you come on down? And I said, well, I sure as shit will, except I got to get these hogs back into the barn and Macintosh. (laughs) Yes, like that. And that's how it feels. And I don't want to, if, if in the middle of, of your song, I was like, and let me tell you about Squarespace, you know, it would, it would derail. It would derail. Although, I mean, you're talking, we're talking, sitting here talking about commerce and I am, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you just straight up interrupt me while I'm in the middle of a really fascinating story, I'm going to, I'm well, I mean, I want to say that I would come down on you, but Merlin does it every minute of every day and I don't do anything. I just roll over cause I'm a, cause I'm a sweethearted guy. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, I feel like there's something magical about the stories and I don't want to get in the way of the stories. So I, I, what we'll do is I'll wait for, so this is what, what we do, uh, afterwards is John and I on some of the ads where we do them together, you and I will, who are you talking? I'm to? talking to the listeners. We will, uh, we will record them and then I'll insert them into places where it sounds like they could go without being too much of an interruption. Other times you and I will actually do them in the show. We'll do them live in the show. And then there's the other kind where I'll, I'll record them and post just me because, okay, now this is real inside baseball. A lot of the time, and this is what the John, the listeners don't normally get to know this. A lot of the time we'll hit some kind of a wall and John will say, and I'm going to do this as best I can. This is what I'll hear. John will say, Oh, I got to pick up my kid. I got to go. Oh yeah. And I'll say, I'll say, all right. And here's what I'll hear. Listen, this is okay. I got to go. All right. I'm on. Yep. (laughs) And that's John throwing the headphones down, standing up, not even hanging up. No, you even hang up. And there's someone, someone's at your door. You got to go. I'll hear banging in the background. And sometimes I'll just listen. I'll just listen. Like, can I hear, I hear you, you keys? And then I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll just quiet for a while. 
It never hangs mm. up. He doesn't even hang up. So in Wait that case, I've got to go. Uh, I have to go pee. Just a second. I'll be right back. Don't just. I think this is a good place for an ad. Really? Yeah, because I'm gonna. I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. I'll do. <laughs> that's what. That's how I end the show. So the, anyway, that's when I'm responsible for doing all the ads myself and doing the drop-ins. But while he's gone, uh, let me tell you about. I will do LinkedIn Learning. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Learning, now featuring all the amazing content from Linda. Of course, you've heard of Linda because they've been making great, uh, great teaching videos forever for the past 20 years. And this is for people who want to learn how to do something new or learn to do something that they do even better. This could be if you run your own business, if you're doing freelance. I know people that have done, uh, done this within the context of their own job because they wanted to get better at their job or they wanted to learn a new skill because they wanted a promotion or something. And that's really the key to, I think, what makes a, a successful independent business person, a successful employee, is that you're, you, you want to you learn something new. You want to continue to build your skill set and figure something out. So this could be, oh, I, wanna, you know, I don't want to start my own business. I want to learn how to use QuickBooks, right? It could be that you want to go into web design, web development. Could be that you've been now tasked with running a new website. You get to figure out Google Analytics. Maybe you want to learn Photoshop. I learned Final Cut Pro. That's a good example to use. I learned that 100% from LinkedIn Learning from the videos that they have there. Uh, It's designed for people of all experience levels. It's designed so that you can jump in and get just a specific answer to a specific question. Like, how do I do that one thing? All the way to, I've never used a software before. I don't understand what all these things on the screen are. Teach me and take me from square one and beyond. And there's project files, so you can download them and work along with the thing that you're watching. There's quizzes that help you make sure you actually are retaining the stuff that you're learning. And you get to learn at your own pace, learn it the, the way that you want. You can use your, uh, your PC, you can use your Mac, you can use your Android phone, you can use your iPhone, your tablet, whatever you want. It, it works everywhere. You can take these things with you and enjoy them. And this is the great thing is... There's no hidden charges, like they don't upsell you on stuff. You get access to all of the courses you want. Watch as many of them as you want, as many times as you want for one monthly price. It's available anywhere in the world. And they have a special deal for listeners of our show. You get a 30-day trial, free trial. Why not? By going to LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash road, linkedin.com slash road, all lowercase. Go there, you get a free 30-day trial, and guess what? You'll support the show. And we appreciate LinkedIn Learning. Thank you to them for supporting this pro, this show. You said at one point in that ad read that it was for people who had never used a software before. I said those words. Is that how you guys in the business um, Did I actually say refer that? to softwares? I said it like that. Yeah, you were like, if you've never used, even if you've never used a software. The software. A software. The software. Uh, I'm, st- I'm still like I'm coming getting over this cold. Now mm. you're gonna now you're gonna criticize. You're just like the listeners criticizing the ad reads. Well, I just heard a software and I was. I like, said the I thought, software. I thought maybe that was a thing that you guys say. Like, oh my god! Hey, did you get? Have you have you seen uh have you seen a, a software? Or I was working on a software. Or, I'm not sure. I I you, you know what? I, I'll believe. Not, I, were you maybe putting the headphones on when I you heard me say that? No, I was listening to that ad read, and obvi- and uh, uh, like, um, I, I, it was incomprehensible to me. I have no idea what that product does, or I mean, it's like um, 
I I get that people that software uh, people a software have, people who have a software mm-hmm. um, <laughs> understand things that I don't. I I'm going to trust you that that's what I said. I don't think I said it, but I believe you. All right. You know, there you you have to pick your battles. You know, you're just rolling along and you're going for it, and then it's like, yeah, a software. And I, you ever forgotten? I, a, I love- you ever forgotten a, a, a lyric or a line or anything when you were on on stage? Ever said to lyric to? So I ever repeated the same verse twice? Well, you know, I'm sure Dan, you've I, never done something like that. I invent words all the time, <laughs> and also I take uh, normal words that are used in a in a normal way, and then I repurpose them and use them right. In a way that I feel that is more suitable. You're um, you're improving the language. Trying to, trying to every day. Somebody's got to do it. So when you say a uh, software, I'm. I mean, I feel like that's great, and okay. I'm just going to start we'll saying a uh, software. Well, I ad lib a lot of the ads. That's the other thing is they send me a script, and I I ignore most of it. Well, and I get I get it. You know, people are like. John was in the middle of talking about his drug addiction or whatever, and you're talking about a software. <laughs> so you're right. You go right. It's hard. It's really hard to find a good place to do it. And because uh, unlike your other shows that you do, mm-hmm. in this show, I feel like you you go you go into into the depths of your soul a lot. Ooh, and the depths of my soul. Yeah, or what's mm-hmm. left of it. <laughs> and so I don't I don't want to you know I don't want to clobber that. It's no, like my responsibility is not to, to clobber it. But, you know, I want to say to the people who are like, well, I wish you didn't have ads. Like, where, where's your $5 a month? Yeah, I know. The, I know you've been building up to want to say that. I mean, and I, I do and say I, it to them. And, well, and I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, I want to. I, my question is, where is this pure land where everything is advertiser free? I mean, you know, we're headed into a world with augmented reality where every, everywhere you look, an, an ad is going to pop up. Bloop. You're going to be walking down the street. Bloop. Come to Al's Pantyhose Emporium. Yeah, I think you're right. Bloop. Have you had a Snapple? And it's just like people are, the, your, your augmented reality is going to be paid for by somebody and those people are going to sell that space in your, like, in the air around you and what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you're going to, you're going to choose. Am I one of the augmented reality people or am I not? And then there's going to be an entire world that you either live in or don't. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's obviously a thing where I feel like, we are making a thing that is worth something to people. I get so many nice emails from people that say, thank you. I mean, I really do. And it gives me great pleasure. And I know there are a lot of people that listen that don't want to send me an email that says, thank you. They want to send me an email that either argues with me or says, I kind of just use your voice as a sort of, white noise sound uh i have you on in the background and it makes me feel like there's some old man droning away in the Mm -hmm. kitchen while i do my chores right and you know i'm like that is basically angry birds 
I'm just allowing. I'm just like blah 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 blah. blah. We should just make a loop of me going blah 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 blah, 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 blah <laughs> and just you know put it in your put it in your nursery and it'll put your baby to sleep. Uh, but you know, what do you say? You're somebody that subscribes and gives money. There are people that give money to public television. There are people that um, that support. There really are people yeah. that support. Um, you shared a letter uh, with me from an angry listener who who didn't want us to have ads and who was proud to say that he was giving us a dollar a month. Yes, from his budget that he had as presumably a you know not a rich person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a budget for paying for entertainment and he listened to several programs and he gave them each a dollar a month. You shared that letter with me and I was like, you know, that's excellent. And honestly, if every single person gave us a dollar a month, that would be fantastic. Super cool. Um, but that isn't the case. And I think a dollar a month is amazing. I'm, I, uh, I welcome every dollar. But also, I wonder what the what the over under is on how much you have to donate to a thing a month in order to send them a angry righteous letter about the money. That right, I understand what you're saying. You know, like a dollar a month is not quite into the into the benefactor category. Yeah, you know, when you go to a museum and it has like patrons, and then down below it's sort of like helpers and then at the bottom it's like people friends and then it's like you know people and there are way more names down in the people than there are up in the uh in the patrons category and the patrons are awful right they have they're the ones that name whole rooms of the museum for themselves um i would never turn my nose up at a dollar yeah i just wonder you know, what the, what the break point is on being able to yell at people. Right. Like if, if someone says I'm donating a dollar a month and I hate your ads versus I'm donating $10 a month and I hate your ads. Yeah. Or, or like I'm donating a dollar a month and I am actively encouraging everyone I know to donate a dollar a month I'm like leading the charge uh, to make your show ad free, but sort of, you know, I mean, we're trying, right? I right. mean, I, I was like Patreon, huh? And you put it up and it, and it's making us $1,500 a month, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's $750 a month to me, which is Every little bit helps, and yeah. then whatever the ads are that you sell, and um, you know, I'm impressed. Uh, when you were saying that you were going to put up a Patreon, you made some wild promises about what it was, I what it was going to generate. I didn't make any promises. I said, "Here's what I think." Yeah, yeah. And you also yeah. remember, I had to do it in secret, and I had to, <clears throat> I had to egg the listeners on. By putting in little messages in front of the show that you never heard because you don't you ever listen. Oh, you were egging people on. Yeah, I was saying, listen, let's let's not let John down. Oh yeah, don't let me down. 
Don't let me down. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like anyone's let me down, but for sure. Um, let's just say that I am no, I'm no longer opposed to a Patreon. I no longer feel, uh, hoodwinked. Not that I ever felt hoodwinked, but I know, yeah, I know I'm no longer, I don't have any reservations about it because it feels clean. It's clean. People that want to give money, give money. It's, it's a very clean transaction. There's no middlemen, really. I mean, I guess Patreon is a middleman. They take something, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's just direct. It's direct. And and other than this episode of the show where we have really, really flogged it, we never talk about it, really, unless you're sneaking little ads for it in all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not. But. You know, it's not like public television or public radio where, I mean, KEXP seems like, well, they, I think they raise money two times a year, but it's, it's that telethon style thing where you tune in to your favorite radio station and there's some DJ that's like, I've been on the air for 12 and a half hours. Just donate two more dollars. Right, Ah!" right. We should, maybe we "Ah." should do that. Maybe we have to do that. Well, I think that's what we've done today which is fine. I'm not, you know, like you say, it's free. <laughs> if you're paying $10 a month, you could be mad. What is the cutoff? Yeah, it's $10 a month. If you're paying $10 a month, that's 12, that's $120 a year. That is the cutoff for you being mad. And if you pay less than $10 a month, then you can't be mad. You have to just not be mad because $10 would not even buy you one movie a month. I'm sure that you pay more than $10 a month for, I mean, how much does Amazon prime cost a month? Probably not $10. Yeah. I think it's, um, twenty. no, I think it's 80 cents, $800. No, it's, I'm going to look this. You're going to make me look it up somewhere between $80. You can do it monthly or you can do it yearly. Annual memberships are $99. Oh fuck. Yeah. It's a lot of money. And if you are monthly, then it's $12.99. So, yeah, But with right. that, you get all the fast delivery, and you, then you also get all their Prime Video and Prime Music stuff. Mm-hmm. So that seems like a pretty good deal. And that's $10 eight, a month. $8.25 a month. $10 a month is basically buying one album at iTunes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you just have to, you have to yeah, budget it. Like you have to look at it. Measure it against your cheese budget. Mm. Those of you that eat cheese. How much are you spending on cheese? $10? I mean, cheese is expensive. Maybe cheese is the wrong thing. Something. There's something that you can make equivalent to your enjoyment of podcasts as a way of finding it in your heart if that's what you want to do. But also if you just want to keep listening for free, it's just, that's the deal with podcasts, right? That's not the deal with the music that we made in the early two thousands. We did not make that music and say, here it is for free. The, but people decided that's what the economy was. And they, they, I mean, I still feel like just straight up fucking stole it. Hmm. Um, and stole it permanently, like stole it, not only stole it, but also stole our ability to sell it, uh, and invented a new economy that didn't take what we didn't take us into consideration. And maybe it was justified by being angry at Sony and Atlantic records, but it didn't just affect them. You know, 
they figured out another way to make money. It affected a bunch of us that were that were recording at home. Right. But I'm, you know, I, I'm one of the ones that that is still making music. Not a, not everybody of my generation is. A lot of them aren't. So anyway, uh, to your point, Dan. Yes, I believe people should support our Patreon. I'm not mad if you don't, but you can't be mad at us unless you give us ten dollars a month. Right. The end. Thank you.